Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond and glad to be here with you on this Monday. I want to say thank you to Patrick Connolly who sat in for me on Friday last week. I ended up uh, getting a cold and lost my voice, and so it's it's on its way back here, but uh, Patrick, at the last minute, he was able to fill in, so thanks to him. Thank you for being here with us on this Monday, the Memorial of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church. Today on the program, uh, to start off, are you very good at doing those fix-up projects around your house? Are you a do-it-yourself kind of person, or... Do you find yourself hiring somebody to come in and do whatever the work is for you? Unless we're talking about some sort of a major repair in our house, my wife and I, we really try and tackle most of those things around our house on our own. Minor plumbing, uh, you know, something that's not too big on electrical work, updates, upgrades, whatever it might be, things that need to be replaced. Try and do as much as we can ourselves, especially with painting. That was a summer job that I had one of the summers I was in college. I worked for this painting company. We do both exterior and interior of the different homes that we did during that summer. And it was great summer work. I, I really loved it. Plus, it gave me that knowledge and that experience for the future when I would eventually have my own home. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I just needed a job for the summer. But honestly, when it comes to painting your home, doing all of the prep work, you know, take, taping off areas, getting everything ready, that takes almost as much time as the painting itself. And as you do more of that prep work, you start learning about what makes for easier work. You know, what's the most efficient process or the order in which you do things. Take, for instance, when you're planning to paint a room in your house and you start removing all the different things attached to the walls, the outlet and the light switch covers, other hardware that might be in it, depending on the kind of room. And finally, if you need to remove the door that goes into the room. And when you try and remove a door, in most homes, the door is attached typically to the door frame by three hinges. And if you'll be using those same hinges when you reattach the door, you don't have to take them off the door itself. You only have to worry about unscrewing the part that's attached to the door frame. The first time I ever did this, I remember I started at the top hinge. And I think this is pretty natural, a pretty natural starting point for any adult. You're already standing while you're doing the work, while you're getting the room ready. So you begin at the top and you work your way down to the middle hinge, then finally to the bottom one. But this creates a problem if you're working alone, especially if you're working alone. Gravity, it wants to pull that door down. It wants it to lie down on the floor. It wants it to fall on the floor. And when it's only attached to the door frame by that one bottom hinge, you find yourself fighting against gravity. It becomes very difficult to get that hinge off. 
So I learned very quickly that I needed to start with the bottom hinge and work my way up, leaving that top hinge for last, the last one to be removed. But even if that top hinge was attached and that was the best way to remove the door, I had to be very careful because when it was the only one left, then the entire weight of the door was relying on that one hinge. And that single hinge, it isn't designed to bear the weight of the door or to allow the door to function properly, swinging open and closed. The door needs all three of those hinges to really work correctly. If you leave it attached only by that top hinge for very long, you run into a situation where you're probably going to ruin the door or you'll ruin the hinge or you'll ruin both. Now, we can have the same sort of issue in our spiritual life, in growing in virtue. If we only focus on one virtue, if everything is hinging upon just that single virtue, well, we might be able to hang on and remain in good shape for a little while. But honestly, to be our best, to be working properly, it's much better to have multiple hinges, multiple virtues that are all working together to keep us healthy in the spiritual life. In fact, that word itself, hinge, in Latin, the word is cardo, and we get the word cardinal from it. So today we want to look at the cardinal virtues. There's four of these. These are the virtues upon which most other things in our spiritual life depend. They hinge on these virtues. And helping us look today at the cardinal virtues, I'm very glad to welcome back to the program Father Tom Wilson. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, and he's the pastor of All Saints Catholic Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Father Wilson, welcome back to The Inner Life. Uh, it's great to be with you again, Josh. Glad to, glad to be here and talk about the uh, important subject of uh, virtues in relationship to our daily life and our spiritual life. Well, and so I mentioned, you know, cardinal. We get it from that word cardo that means uh, hinge. But before maybe we even get into those four cardinal virtues, can you just maybe spend a, a couple minutes telling us about what a virtue is so that we all have that kind of starting point we can define what does the church mean when we talk about a virtue yeah that's a that's a good place to start right at the beginning josh and when we talk about when we talk about virtue um really what we are talking about is uh, our our habits virtues are our habits they are things that are uh, that are ingrained, things that we uh, repeat, things that we do over and over again. And we will contrast them to, to vices. Uh, virtues are good habits. Vices are, vices are bad habits. And I think the, it's important for us to, to make distinction uh, between natural virtues and, and, and uh, supernatural or theological virtues. Uh, what we're focusing on today are our natural virtues, and the uh, the natural virtues or the cardinal virtues are they're available to anybody. They don't inherently by themselves require grace to uh, to do. Just by our creation and the image and likeness of God, uh, we can uh, incorporate them. We can practice them. We can have them grow in uh, in our life. And obviously, practicing them and having them grow in our life will will impact the supernatural dimensions of our life. But uh, people without faith uh, can can also uh, live those live those cardinal virtues. Um, in in con- contrasting to that are the are the theological virtues of 
uh, faith, hope, and charity, which are infused. They are given to us by God, uh, by grace through our through our baptism, and we we obviously can cultivate them to have them manifest more clearly and uh, be able to uh, live more uh, live more faithfully uh, with them. But those are uh, the theological virtues: faith, hope, and charity are are a direct gift from God by by divine grace versus the natural virtues. Uh, which are uh, which are human virtues that uh, impact our, our our daily life as well as our spiritual life, but are accessible to uh, any human being. So the just to go back to what you said, faith, hope, and charity or love, theological virtues, they're a gift from God. So there's nothing we can do. But with the cardinal virtues, as with other virtues that might rely on, you know, this is a starting point with these cardinal virtues. It, it It's something that we all have access to regardless of whether we're a believer or not. Uh, so that just makes me think with these natural virtues, if you want to really build them up, it's just going to take some work. It's going to take some effort to make it habitual in your life that that's what you that's what you turn to rather than the vice that you turn to that virtue uh that's absolutely correct josh and i think that it's in, it's important to to note uh that uh the natural virtues are they're learned i mean we learn what they are and we uh we grow in them by actually by actually doing it's a uh, um I don't want to say trial and error necessarily. I don't think that's that's the the greatest way to describe it, but it, but they are they are things that we they are things that we learn, and they are things that we we do. Uh, they are things that perhaps we're not going to be um, at the beginning as successful, but if we continue doing them, uh, they become they become habitual. And when they become habitual, it, it it just helps our growth as a as a human being, and and frankly, it does help us in our uh, in our own spiritual life of uh, being able to being able to live with and. Uh, live in uh, the human virtues uh, makes the spiritual life uh, easier to connect with God. Again, talking with Father Tom Wilson today, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, and discussing the cardinal virtues. And we're going to dive into those right now, but also want to open up the phones for your calls. If maybe you have a question about one of the cardinal virtues. Uh, maybe you've been striving to grow in one or more of those virtues, and how has that been going for you? Uh, if you've been successful in growing in that virtue, what has helped you? What have been some of the, maybe the disciplines or the tactics you've used in your life that have helped you to grow in one of those virtues? Our studio phone number that you can call in on, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father Wilson, so we've got the four cardinal virtues. There's prudence, also sometimes called wisdom. There's justice. There's temperance, which we can refer to as self-control, and there's fortitude or courage. And maybe we can just go in order here with the different virtues. Prudence itself or wisdom, uh, this is one that 
it's called the mother of all virtues. It's kind of got that unofficial title. Uh, first of all, why is it the mother of all virtues? And why is wisdom so important and foundational for other vir- virtues to follow? Yeah, it, it, they they call prudence the mother of all virtues because prudence is really, uh, if you will, the the catalyst of applying other virtues uh, into into our life. So, uh, prudence is the it's the wisdom and the the, the knowledge uh, to be able to to take the other things and apply them uh, correctly. And uh, and helpfully within uh, the the particular circumstances that we uh, that we find ourselves. So um, you know we have a we have a certain uh, awareness and knowledge of of a of a particular situation. Uh, prudence then allows us to to take that knowledge and and awareness and and apply it speci- uh, apply specifically to that situation. Um, that we might find ourselves in, and so, um, I, for for example, um, you know, there there may be a, uh, some type of some type of a critical situation that um, that, that that we're facing in maybe in a uh, an emergency situation, healthcare, whatever. Um, there's a there's a certain amount of knowledge that we have to take care of the person who might be uh, enduring that 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 medical situation, uh, uh, and so the, it's the virtue of prudence then that would dictate exactly uh, what what steps might be taken, what what might be taking next, and you know for example somebody's somebody's injured and um you know there may be somebody may see a, a need to 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 move the the person who's been injured um somebody else might say no there's in in, in prudence we're not sure exactly what this injury is and moving that person might actually make the make the thing worse so uh in prudence we're going to we're going to stabilize the person and and uh, keep him uh, keep him as immobile as possible until we can determine exactly what that uh, what that injury might be. So that would be that would be taking the wisdom, if you will, of of having that that medical knowledge and and prudentially applying it to the the, the specific injury or uh, or situation that um, that we find ourselves in at the time. So you're talking about, you know, knowledge, yep. having this intellectual understanding of, you know, whatever the situation might be, but with prudence or with wisdom, it's really how we apply the knowledge that we have. So it's, exactly. you know, it, 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 it's, it's not just saying, oh, I, I, I know a lot, but I actually know what to do with all that knowledge I have. How do we end up uh, working uh, to grow in prudence or to grow in wisdom. You know, some people seem to, <laughs> they just seem to be blessed with wisdom without ever having to work at being wise while the rest of us are kind of saying, ah, oh, you know, I look back on some of those dumb things I did in my life. Hindsight might be twenty twenty, but I had the knowledge. I just didn't seem to exercise that wisdom or that prudence. So how do we grow in that virtue? Uh, we grow in it by, we grow in it by learning and 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 understanding uh the 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 virtues that that go with it and the the particular knowledge that goes with it and 
and then being able to uh, apply it to the specific conditions in in our life. And uh, to, to be honest, wisdom actually is a. I mean, it is a. It's a. It's a gift of the. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and so uh, it's in there um, when we when we get baptized and and then confirmed. Uh, but it also has to be something just like any other gift that has to be cultivated and uh, and, and used. And uh, you know, when you talk about the uh, sort of the difference between um, you know being young and inexperienced uh, versus older, the the experience that we that we have, perhaps maybe even of, of making some poor decisions, some unwise decisions, uh, then we learn from that and are able to become uh, more wise uh, and and be able to take that wisdom and um, uh, apply it prudentially to our to our situations and frankly make our life a lot better um, by uh by by learning that but uh i think you 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 make a very you make a very good point that some people some people just may be um have have quicker and easier access to it by 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 grace uh some people it might take a little bit longer to uh to to learn to be aware of and to uh, apply correctly to 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 their life, and it's the um, it may be a difference in, in in accessibility via the Holy Spirit. It might be um, you know overcoming our own you know our own pride and and um, uh, intemperateness and and um, selfishness and and all those sorts of things that can uh, that can be blocks to to us living a virtuous life. You know, when we're also talking about wisdom here, especially in light of our faith, I think it's very natural to go back to King Solomon, uh, you know, the, the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, he was given this, uh, this um, choice from God who said, you know, ask, ask of me anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for money for riches i'll make you not only wise but i'll make you rich and then we have these writings that solomon gives us especially in the book of proverbs and he says right out at the at the beginning of the very first chapter of proverbs he says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom so can maybe you kind of open this up for us what does it mean for us to fear the lord how does fearing the lord in the words of, of of king solomon how does that lead us into wisdom how is that the beginning of wisdom yeah that's uh that's an excellent uh excellent question josh and i i think obviously when we deal with fear of the lord the first thing that we have to remind people of is that it's not being afraid of god all right and right, um, right. some people will, will will interpret it that way uh but but fear of the lord really is a it's a desire to do what God wants us to do, and uh, and to uh, and, and and to to recognize that there is a uh, a path that God wants us to be on, uh, actions that He wants us to do, and 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 uh, an authentic desire to uh, to do that, and that's what that's what fear of the Lord does. It's like, okay, I really do want to do what God wants me to do, and and so fear of the Lord is the beginning of of recognizing that and wanting to uh, wanting to do that. And obviously, I think most of us understand in our own 
life and experiences. Um, that's that's the beginning. It's not it's not the end. Uh, but on the flip side of that too, we can see plenty of examples of of people who don't have fear of the Lord and don't care. I mean, they really they they they. They they abandon uh, what is in their nature to to want to do what God wants them to do and begin to begin to not care and it it uh, results in a in, in in a life that's full of vice and and abandoning uh, abandoning virtue. So uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in in that it 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 taps into our uh our our desire to to really uh authentically want to do the will of God and so when we take that back to back to Solomon he he understood he understood that you know it wasn't it wasn't going to be the stuff of the world that was going to uh make him successful it was going to be uh knowing uh understanding and and doing the will of God and uh that was his that was his fear of the lord that that took him into that uh, place where he uh, he he asked for gifts that would be uh, long lasting and beneficial to uh, both his people and his own and his own soul uh, instead of uh, things that are, are are very temporary and perish. Our spiritual director, Father Tom Wilson, the phone line to call into the program, 888-914-9149. Today, talking about the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, what they are, how we can grow in those virtues, and what has helped you. Have you been able to make some good strides growing in one or more of these virtues? Or maybe you have a question about one of them. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Tom Wilson, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll continue on looking at justice coming up next here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters Studio Line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour. Father Tom Wilson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, the pastor of All Saints Catholic Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Today, talking about the cardinal virtues and also welcoming your phone calls if you have a question about one of the virtues or maybe you've seen some success in growing within one of those virtues. Maybe it's been a struggle for you. Maybe uh, you've been trying to grow in that virtue, uh, that area, and you just seem to not make any progress and you'd like some advice, maybe some insight, you can talk with Father Wilson uh, by calling us at 888-914-9149, so, Father, we already talked about prudence or wisdom. Now we come to justice. And justice, I think, for most of us, you know, that that might be out of the list of four, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. That's the one that is still in such common usage that we understand what that really is at the outset. At least it sounds pretty straightforward, you know, making things equal or fair. Uh, but I think it's... 
it's unfortunate pride or greed gets in the way pretty quickly. But there's that classic image of justice being personified as somebody that's wearing a blindfold. You know, justice is supposed to be blind. But when we're the ones personally involved, when I'm the one trying to be just and it has some bearing on me, it's hard not to want to favor myself, even if it's just a little bit. So uh, justice, you know, while we might understand it, putting it into practice might not be as easy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a good point, Josh. And I, I think that um, something that might be helpful in the conversation, because obviously justice is uh, uh, is something that is, is is talked about ad nauseum in the uh, in the culture in which we live, and I think probably uh, you know in in terms of goodwill, the the desire for people to uh, to live in a just world and uh, uh, see that that people get their due, uh, but I would say that frequently we see in the conversation about uh, uh, about justice is that it is uh, often a it's often a battle on what is due to me rather than uh, what um, I need to do for others, and uh, and I think that um, you know when we you know we talk about the legal system, I'm demanding justice for me, and and in fact the 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 virtue of justice is really it's it's almost reversed on that. It's what do I have to do to be uh, just towards others and to uh, do what I can to make sure that others get their due rather than demanding it for uh, myself. And, sure. and so uh, I think that that's, a, that's an important thing to, uh, to, to remember, that um, justice is not something that I just demand of the world around me, uh, but it's, it's also something that uh, I am called to do myself, to, to make sure that others, uh, others get their due and, and, and not just claim it for myself, even though I... You know, I want people to be just towards me too, uh, but its primary direction is is outward uh, rather than rather than inward. Yeah, I, I think that's such an easy trap for us to fall into. Um, you know, I, I think we all like this idea of justice when we're the ones able to execute the justice. You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Somebody yeah. did something to me. I should be able to do the same thing back to them. But again, I think the problem is when we're wronged by somebody, we want to go back at the other person a little more than what they did to us. And one of those those um, just iconic moments in a movie for me is the opening scene in The Godfather. There's this man, this undertaker, Bonacera, and he starts off the the opening of the movie and he tells The Godfather, Vito Corleone, about what his daughter has gone through and he went to the police and the police didn't do anything and they went to court for these men who beat up his daughter and so finally it gets to a point where Vito asks Bonacera what do you want me to do what is it you're asking me to do Bonacera whispers something in his ear and you can't hear it but it's implied Bonacera has asked for these men to be killed and Vito, he says, no, 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 that's, I cannot do this. Murdering them is not justice. You're asking for justice. That's not justice. Your daughter is still alive. But I think even though that might be kind of an extreme example, 
we can all fall into that trap of wanting to go beyond what is truly just when we've been offended. Uh, how do you think we get away from that um, so that we really do not, we don't look at what we think we are owed or we're deserved, uh, but how we can put the focus back on, as you were saying, what is required or demanded of me in the ways that I've been unjust? How can we kind of switch that mindset? Yeah, I think, I think frankly, Josh, it, it, it comes down to uh, what our definition of love is. It's, it's sacrifice. It's looking out for uh, the, the good of the other. And so when we, when we take the virtue of justice and want to apply it to our own, own lives, we are, we are going to first examine um, uh, the situations in which we personally may have been, uh, may have been unjust and, and try to, uh, to, to be more just and, and partial in uh, our relationships and uh, interactions and transactions and, and the like. But we also want to uh, you know, observe the reality of, of injustice that others have experienced and, and do what we can to help them get their, uh, get their due um, by what I can do personally, you know, and, and again, I think that we see uh, in conversations and, uh, and acting for, for, for justice, uh, it's often in a, uh, in a capacity in which, in which people are demanding that others do something for others. And uh, there may be times when that is, when, when, when we need to do that, uh, but it really begins with me and my personal actions and my personal uh, choices. Sure. So, um, yeah. uh, I, for example, when we were in the seminary and doing doing virtues class, the the instructor, you know, has a tax accountant who says, "Well, what do I have to do to be just?" And the and the professor said, "You have to be just by making sure that your clients are not cheating on their taxes." You know, to to make sure that the community gets its due uh, by your clients by your clients not cheating on the taxes, and and that's your act of that is an act of justice towards not only your client uh, but also towards the uh, the the community that's going to be served by uh, getting the uh, the the tax revenue for for public projects and and the like. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at God Himself too. I've heard many times people use the description, God is perfect justice. And the, the, the other thing that is a lot of times thrown in with that is not only is he perfect justice, but he's perfect mercy. And I think that that's an important component for this too. Uh, like I said, we all like that idea of justice, unless maybe it's us that are being called out on something we've done that is wrong to somebody else. But when we do admit that we're guilty, when we do acknowledge we deserve justice to make whatever right that we have done that has, you know, uh, impacted a relationship or, you know, um, caused somebody some sort of harm, only at the point where we acknowledge that we're guilty, that we deserve justice, only at that point then can we be offered mercy. Uh, can you talk about the essential relationship between justice and mercy that we see from God that that, <laughs> that we have no hope of, you know, anything beyond this life if we don't have that combination of justice and mercy? 
Yeah, that's a that, that that's a good point, and in some ways, it's the it, it can be one of those hinge hinge realities in our. Uh, in our Christian faith, Josh, that uh, we do believe in a we do believe in a God who is uh, who is just, uh, but we also believe in that God who is who is merciful, and uh, we we want to we want to live in that place where we're trying to uh, we're trying to uh, act justly towards God and give Him uh, what is what is His due, and we hopefully recognize that. Everything is his due. Every everything belongs to God. Everything that we are, everything that I am, uh, belongs to God. I need to be giving my entire being uh, to Him. We also recognize that we that we fall short of that in our in our selfishness, in our greed, in our uh, in our pride, in our turning away from Him. And uh, his his response then is uh, is is one of mercy. That um, you know sometimes justice is is described as uh, getting what you deserve. Uh, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, and it's and it's being merciful and saying, um, you know, you you may deserve something, uh, but your repentance and your uh, uh, desire to to be forgiven uh, then opens up that vehicle that 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 catalyst towards uh, receiving the mercy of God. So um, God is both just, you know, he he um, uh, you know he he's he's just towards us, but he is also uh, but he's also merciful. And I think that's it's one of the beauties of the spiritual life, Josh, is that uh, the more we get to uh, the more we get to know God, the more we understand what He um, has revealed to us. Uh, the more we uh, we we live for Him, the the brighter the light shines on us. The more we realize that um, we need His mercy, and He and He is merciful, and yeah. and so we're and so we're we're grateful for that. Um, <clears throat> none of us gets to heaven without the mercy of God. I mean, uh, yeah, so we're yeah. so we're grateful. That. We're grateful that even in our in our brokenness, in our fallenness, in our sinfulness, that uh, and and His justice that He is that He is also merciful towards us. Talking with Father Tom Wilson today about the cardinal virtues prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And if you have a question about one of the virtues, maybe you've been trying to grow in one of those virtues, but it's been a struggle and you'd like some advice, you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, we'll try and get you on the air here. Uh, Father, before we go to our next break, let's go on to the next one. We've talked about prudence, we've talked about justice, temperance. When we come to temperance, we live in a culture that absolutely loves to indulge. We love excess. And most of the time, I think this is, uh, for me at least, what comes to mind is gluttony. That's that sin of gluttony. And when I think of gluttony, at least in the past, I had thought about it mainly only on the surface, just simply eating or drinking too much. And, uh, of course, that can apply to other areas of your life, too, you know, where, uh, you know, you, you buy more than you need of certain things or, you know, you, you just have that gluttonous attitude. But I remember reading about how back in the Middle Ages uh, there were moralists that would look at five different ways that we can be gluttonous. And 
it encompassed a lot of different areas. They talked about how it might be by, and they were referring mainly to food here, but by eating quickly, just gulping down our food, that could be one way that we could be gluttonous. Maybe it's in order so we could go back and get seconds before anyone else has a chance to get more food. Second is it could be in the kinds of foods that we demand, only wanting rich and sumptuous things. The third is kind of that classic idea of gluttony, just plain excess. The fourth is this attitude of greed in that I want exactly what I want when I want it. Otherwise, I won't be happy. And then the fifth is demanding that everything that I want is prepared exactly to my specification. So when I first came across these different areas related to gluttony, it was more than just a, oh, don't just eat or drink too much. But it goes into a lot of other areas, and I thought, boy, I might need to really reconsider how much effort I put into this idea of temperance or self-control in my life. Uh, I, I think that might be a common uh, kind of glossing over of the importance of temperance for so many of us. Yeah, those are those are good examples. I'm not sure that I'd heard all of them uh, in particular, but I think they all are... Uh, they, they they fit very well, and I would um, uh, I'll oversimplify it by saying that I think that temperance in in, in many ways is about uh, responding to uh, to living simply, you know. And um, as you as you talk about as you talk about temperance and the the obvious uh, the obvious one that, that that lots of people struggle with is just uh, is just the excess. Uh, but, um, you know, I might, I might put the word fussy, uh, next to it as well that, you know, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat anything that, that isn't up to, uh, my particular culinary standards or, or whatever. And it may not be in it may not be excess in terms of, in terms of volume, but it could be, uh, it could be too particular and, uh, and, and, and too fussy, uh, in terms of of actually of actually what it is, um, I think that really the heart of uh, the the heart of temperance, particularly as it relates to the as it relates to the spiritual life, is not allowing the things of the world to take us over. And we really um, the the more we can be we can be balanced and and temperate about these things. Uh, we demonstrate our our ability to live without, and when we are able to to live without, we make more room in our life for God. And and so, uh, you know, when we're when we're exercising the virtue of of temperance, and we we realize, you know what, I I don't need the fancy meal every day. I don't need uh, to to be consuming, you know, just the things that I really really like, you know, on the top three on my list all the time. I can I can eat things that are um, that are a bit more simple. Um, I might throw this one out, uh, particularly for, for for priests who often have refrigerators full of, of of food, often leftovers and that sort of thing. Um, maybe being temperate is. Uh, Eating the leftovers instead of um, uh, creating something uh, something brand new, 
and 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 all of that though you know the the uh the, the sacrifice the backing off uh gives us proper ordering in our life of of the stuff of the things that then just leaves more room for uh for god and and and, yeah. and growing in him well, I mean, ultimately, what you're talking about here is detachment, not being yeah. attached to things. And you also mentioned living simply, and that, that to me, just means being content with what you have, where you are right here and now, not not having this desire for more, not having this need to get more, but just simply, I'm okay. I'm okay right here, and I don't need all those things. Yeah. Um, Father, let's continue our conversation about... Uh, temperance in just a moment here. We do need to take one more short break. Uh, talking with Father Tom Wilson about the cardinal virtues. Also welcoming your phone calls at 888 We'll continue talking about temperance and moving on into fortitude coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio Studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you here with us during this hour as we're talking about the cardinal virtues. I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program. And uh, today we're talking with Father Tom Wilson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, discussing the cardinal virtues, prudence, also known as wisdom, justice, temperance, which we're discussing right now. That's also that self-control aspect. And then we're going to, before the hour is out, talk about fortitude, to talk about courage. And also welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Father, before the break, we were talking about how we can live simply, we can be content with what we have, how we don't get too attached to the things of this world so that we can live in that um, that realm of self-control, that realm of temperance. Uh, you know, there are times, though, where we are supposed to celebrate. Jesus even makes reference to this. He says that there should be rejoicing while the bridegroom, he, Jesus, is here, you know, when, when he's accused by the Pharisees of, you know, that he's always eating and drinking. And uh, so there are times to celebrate and there's nothing wrong with that. But celebrating in our culture can often mean that, again, we we walk into that area of gluttony. So how do we practice and live out this virtue of temperance, of self-control when we are in that's that appropriate season of celebrating and feasting? Uh, yeah, I think um, one of the one of the things to remember is um, generally in the life of the church, the, um, the 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 call to feast when it happens always uh, overrules uh, fasting, but uh, fasting is generally the norm. Um, uh, but but feasting will always take precedence if there's if there's any um, uh, uh, overlapping of, of of the two, and it's. Uh, uh, it's an important thing to uh, uh, 
to remember that um, we want to celebrate. We want to experience. Uh, we want to experience joy. We won't. Don't want to be uh, dour and and that sort of thing. I think that um, uh, some of the best examples that I see of of this really um, lived out uh, within our own uh, culture and, and, and society, Josh, is within uh, religious communities. Um, and they're, uh, they, they, they celebrate well. They really do on, on, on feast days, uh, you know, big feast days of the church, feast days of their, of their particular um, religious orders, that sort of thing. But, for example, there are... Um, uh, a community that I know well, they celebrate. They celebrate very, very well. Uh, but for example, they would not. They they don't drink wine except for uh, the the significant feast days in their uh, that they celebrate in their in in their house, and then they'll they'll have a glass of wine for dinner. Um, uh, contrasting that with with um, you know kind of the indulgent world in which you know people might be drinking wine all the time uh and and what it does is it allows them to uh to to celebrate with with great joy uh in in the in the use of that and whereas if you're doing it all the time it kind of it ratchets down the actual celebration because it's like well this is this has now become routine and and we don't want it to be we don't want it to become routine so our our temperate use of of those things uh maintains uh keeping things special you know i um uh growing up i'll just this is an example i think probably not just me but certainly most of the neighborhood that i grew up in and probably my whole generation um, and it was probably better for us health-wise, but we did not drink a lot of pop. All right, uh, we did not drink a lot of uh, a, a lot of pop, and so when we got it, it was a treat. It was uh, it was something special, maybe a birthday or last game of the season after sports or whatever. But we, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the norm. It wasn't the routine. Um, now I think I think that's it's it's not a routine. It's people. Drink it all the time. Kids drink it all right, the time. Right, it's part of every meal you get at a fast it, food it, it, you know, it, place it, it, or whatever it, it, it is. It kind of is. So it's no, so it's no longer special, and and so it it sort of it sort of brings down the uh, the occasion itself. And so the temp- temperance, living temperance, living simply, also allows us to to, to live joyfully and uh, in in a way of celebration because we. Uh, we make the we make those distinctions, and so the celebrations have uh, have more meaning, and and that meaning it can be shown externally by by the things that we are uh, enjoying now that we that we normally set aside. Uh, Father, we're down to about four minutes here left, but we want to get to this last of the four cardinal virtues: fortitude being courageous. Uh, Maybe can we start off by having you talk about the difference between having an understanding of the kind of courage that the church is speaking about here versus maybe what we see promoted in movies or the news? What is this virtuous uh, fortitude or courage? Yeah, at the heart of it, at the heart of it, courage is is being able to persevere in in, in what is right, true, and and good, uh, even to dangerous uh, 
ends that uh, and and the the, the the definitions of it are very clear that even if uh, even if life may get in danger by doing it, it is uh, it is courageously defending what is uh, what is true. It is sacrificing oneself for uh, uh, for the good of others and the and and the good of uh, the the world around me. Um, uh, even even at uh, great sacrifice to uh, to myself. Sure. Now, uh, as you're talking about that, though, Father, I think this might be a good opportunity to point out this is where the virtues work together very, very obviously, because as you're saying, we might face danger. It doesn't mean to be foolish. And so we could go back to that very first of the cardinal virtues we talked about, wisdom or prudence. We have to be wise in what we're doing. It doesn't get us off the hook to be courageous, but we, we should be courageous while maintaining a wise or a prudent attitude towards what we're facing. Uh, no, exactly, exactly. And uh, I, I usually when I talk about this, Josh, I would make the distinction between uh, being courageous and being reckless. Um, we see plenty of recklessness uh, in uh, in the in the world in which we live. And cur- courage is not that. Courage is saying. You know, I may need to I may need to do something that's that's sacrificial and potentially dangerous, uh, but I'm going to do it wisely. I'm going to do it with uh, uh, with prudence and proper and proper reflection, uh, and not just uh, not just doing wild things for the sake of doing uh, wild things. That's not that's not courageous. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm going out and doing some some daredevil act. Uh, that that could be very very dangerous and and maybe even put my life in danger. Uh, that's not that's not courage. That's that's recklessness. Um, if I if I have to go, um, if you will, run towards the fire to help somebody escape the fire, that's dangerous too. But that's courage because you are going in there for the benefit of somebody else in order to try to save somebody else and be uh, be, be courageous in doing that and overcoming uh, the the natural fear that that might be built up inside because of the danger that I'm facing. Uh, but it's it, it is courageous uh, and 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 it's also prudent because it's it's um, it, you know it's applying uh, what I am able to do in this in this dangerous situation for the good of for the good of somebody else. Father, we're down to our last 45 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing to all of our listeners as we conclude the hour? Yeah, absolutely. Gracious and proud and Father, we are grateful for all the blessings that you pour down upon us. Continue to pour down graces upon your people that they might grow in the in the natural virtues and have them fed by the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, that they might continue to uh, faithfully live out and Uh, the vocations that you have called them to, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Wilson, for being with us here for the hour. And if you joined us late, if you would like to go back and listen to any part of the hour again, I want to kind of mull that over. Go back and find the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Hope you can join us tomorrow. It's the month of the Sacred Heart. We'll talk about that with Father James Kabicki here on The Inner Life tomorrow. Stay tuned. Mass is next.